Good morning and welcome to a very special edition of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. right here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Today we honor the life and the legacy of Lily A. Estes, a community strategist, organizer, public housing advocate, and friend. Lily passed from this life on January 31st, 2019. Today we'll feature memories recorded by her family and friends and the words of Lily herself, all to highlight how important Lily's work was to the Richmond community and to show how many lives she touched while she walked on this earth. Please join us in a brief moment of silence to contemplate the life of this beautiful soul and then on with the show. Hi, this is Tobias Esses, Lily Esses' son. First off, I want to just say that I greatly appreciate everything that everybody has done over these past couple of days. We used to always, me and my mother used to always joke about the fact that she, she knew the entire city and growing up that I couldn't do anything wrong because somebody knew my mother. And just seeing the, the flood of support and everything that everybody is stating about what she meant to the to them and what she's done t- and imp- and the impact she's had on each on everyone's life really 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 lets me know that everything that she was stating when I was young when me and my brother were young uh, and everything that she was doing was having an impact my mother moved to Richmond in 1977 and never looked back. Uh, she was always rebel rouser from when she was young in Newport News and would always and lived her life that way the whole way through. So this time right now is it's going to be hard for me. It's going to be hard for her family, but it's going to be hard for everyone that she's ever touched and everybody she's ever talked to or spoken with. If you've ever had a conversation with my mother, you you walked away from that conversation learning something. You learned something about yourself. You learned something about policy. You learned something about community work. You learned about something that could help you on your everyday life. And I appreciate the fact that everybody has had has had has had that type of impact given to them. I just want to say thank you again to everybody who 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 is reaching out, everybody who is just there for our family and who will continue to be there for our family and continue to do the work that she has always strived for since she was a young a young pup coming um coming in coming to VCU in 1977. So I want you to, I want you guys to know that I greatly appreciate this uh, and it doesn't go on deaf deaf ears and I wanted to say thank you again from the bottom of my heart uh, and that we will all get through this time and we will all become stronger and better people after this time. So thank you so much. Singing 
Lily. Lily and Estes officially. Better known to many as Sam, I am a community strategist and today I began seeking the office of mayor for the city of Richmond, Virginia. The election is in November 2016. I begin today because I want you to make my candidacy a topic of everyday conversation. We the people are mightier than we think. We must begin to re-engage in what is healthy, good, and pure about our life in order to improve the quality of our life. Walk with me to 2016. Well, she's authentic. I was tired, tired of the fake and the phony. 
and tired of, you know, you talk a good game and then when you get in there, you do absolutely nothing. It's, it's been too much of that for too long. The issues that affect Richmonders on a daily basis are housing, jobs. Um, my community has been in Richmond. I would like to see um, a better educational system. From my understanding, they spend probably about $50,000 a year for a juvenile that's in juvenile detention, and maybe about eight dollars to $11,000 a year for a child in school. More high schools, um, better football facilities, athletic facilities, um, better school books. To me, Lily is the, the ultimate advocate for the city of Richmond. Well, Lily is, is, is a hands-on person. She's in the trenches. There is no one that fights for the people, for the citizens of Richmond like Lily does. And her experience, I think, as someone who comes from the community, who has trust in the community, um, and who has a wealth of knowledge about what people really are asking for, um, I think she really can bring that sort of that political um, power in a different way. Well, Lily has gotten her education from Richmond. She has been a resident of Richmond for many years, so she's been in touch with a lot of the community issues. She is knowledgeable and she, she knows the ins and outs and she doesn't play games. Making sure that the communities get the information. There's information out there, but the communities don't get the information. She would make sure. What do I vision the future of Richmond to be? The future of Richmond looks like families, jobs, a diversified community. A place where people can come together and reflect uh, on the history of the United States. This would be a place for healing, to repair you know, all the damage that was caused by the years of discrimination, racism, and uh, slavery, and Jim Crow, and mass incarceration. My future of Richmond and RVA is, is, is more of what is good about RVA now. We have a really strong community here of people who are active community organizers, activists, people that are connected to each other and passionate about each other's well-being and people's lives. And I think the future of Richmond is just includes more of that. We brought me out here for the support of Lily for mayor, Ms. Lily. It's because I talk to her every day. She tried to educate you every day. She pushed for equal opportunity, education, cleaning up the streets. She's a smart woman. And I know she come from where I come from. Like, I know she's not somewhere, somebody that live out all it's in Virginia trying to run for mayor in Richmond. I know she come from the heart of Richmond, and she know what needs to be done. My name is Kim Rolla, uh, and I met Lily Estes in either 2008 or 2009 working with Reframe, a resident of public housing of Richmond against mass eviction. And uh, Lily was a co-founder of that organization. It was an uh, organization primarily of public housing residents, but also of folks committed, other folks committed to housing justice around Richmond. And uh, it, it really... It changed my life path. Um, I, I'm an attorney now. I went to law school and ended up doing housing work and really focusing with public housing resident organizations for four years after going to law school. And it was um, 
Lily was a huge part of that, of just seeing the collective power uh, that Reframe built. You know, Reframe, the model of it really speaks to, to Lily's brilliance as a community strategist, which, you know, I didn't realize till many years later, but Reframe brought together tenant councils, these organizations made of public housing residents in the city of Richmond with other folks committed to housing justice. So it was kind of an umbrella organization and it pulled in labor groups that were organizing home health care workers, a lot of whom lived in public housing. It pulled in um, organizations of, you know, lo- young lefty radicals in Richmond, like Food Not Bombs, and um, and some really kind of, uh, you know, established nonprofits. Uh, Legal Aid Justice Center, where I work now, um, was one of the members, the Richmond Peace Education Center. And it just shows that, uh, you know, Lily knew how to see what everyone brought to the table and to really value what all of our assets, um, but to always make sure that we were uh, leading, that the directly impacted people were leading. And that was uh, who all of that, the muscle that everyone brought to the table, that's that's what they were working for. Um, and I will be forever grateful to Lily for all that she taught me when I was, um, you know, a young, a young person just really trying to get my feet in political work and uh, Lily's patience and grace is just it's still astounds me when I look back on it and then to see it reflected in all the other people who describe how Lily mentored them and built them up too is just um it's really incredible um and she will leave uh leave a hole in our community I mean I there are so many folks uh, who love her and lean on her, and like I said, we're built up by her, and we're continuing to be built up by her. That uh, it's such a loss, but and and I obviously want to hold um, hold that sense of loss and and our love for Lily, and uh, you know that this is a painful moment. And also, I know that Lily was about the work, right? And I think that um, one of the beautiful things in the folks I've seen commemorating Lily is is that it has lifted up all of that beautiful work that she did and the connections and relationships that she built between us um, that we can carry on. I mean, I even there was a meeting that I was invited to by Lily in mid-February, and one of the first things that everyone on the email chain said was like, we're still going to meet. We're still going to carry this work forward because that's what Lily would have wanted. And I think that that is just the best... Uh, memorial we can we can give for Lily and her work and and I you know I don't want to go on too long but I there's something I, I would really love to share with folks if um if there's time on this radio show I, I I've always turned to Lily for mentorship in you know the last decade that I've since I've worked with her with reframe and uh, I actually did an interview she was kind enough to to sit with an, for an interview with me in July of 2018, um, where we were talking about uh, really, sp- we're talking about legal support for for organizing and how lawyers uh, should show up to to movement work. But I, I took, I wish I'd recorded it, and I wish um, I had the audio of her voice. But I took really detailed notes, and some of them are just um, I I've really I've really taking comfort in reading them over the last last week because I can really hear her voice in some of um, some of these interview notes. So I just wanted to share some of the things that we talked about that I think are advice for more than just attorneys. So one of the things we did was we talked about dreaming, uh, dreaming our ideal organization or our, our ideal 
movement organization, what it would look like and what it would do. Um, and then, uh, you know, for my project, we kind of talked about how lawyers would fit in. But when I asked her this question about dreaming the ideal organization, um, Lily said to me, an organic raw, like what it would, what the organization would be would be an organic raw data process we, where we bring our skill set to the marketplace of ideas. Um, and then this is, I put in quotation marks, if it's something a lawyer should do, let a lawyer do it. If it's something that an accountant should do, let an accountant do it. We don't need lawyers to change an electrical socket. An electrician should do that. Um, and this is a great Lily quote. I said, Does that, do you think that that happens now? Um, you know, that people are doing things that they shouldn't. I wrote, obviously, in all caps. Um, but my the reason I share that is because I think the second part is just so pure Lily. Where then, then she went on and said, we know a strategy needs to be a pure brainstorming session with all people and deeply involved, directly impacted people. It needs to deeply involve directly impacted people. And I said, you know, have you, have you ever seen a legal organization do this? And Lily just said, no period. No. She'd never seen an organization um, have that kind of equitable sharing where, you know, everyone's expertise is brought to the table. But the next thing she followed up with was that she thinks it's possible with the right people and the right process. Um, That if each person in the room is treated as if they have equal expertise, it's possible. And that is just, um, that is Lily to me in a nutshell, where that's why I came to her because she she would tell me the truth. Um, she wasn't afraid to critique you um, and to critique you lovingly in the ways that you did your work um, because she believed that we could all show up for each other better um, and that it was possible. And I just love that, that her answer was no, she'd never seen it, but she she knew that we could do it. And <laughs> then that, that kind of connects to another thing that she said to me during the interview was that she wasn't interested in lawyers helping restate what problems are. And I... And that was just another thing that I I so value her in organizing spaces because Lily was about the work. I mean, she was about building our relationships with one another and, you know, making change. It wasn't about ego. It wasn't about status. It was about getting the work done um, and, you know, walking, walking the walk. Um, and the last little piece I wanted to, to share with people um, is that we had a kind of a conversation about the long, slow work of organizing. And she'd said to me that, you know, you lawyers, you say you lawyers, she said lawyers can't conceive um, of community members being conveners themselves of, you know, bringing each other together. And she said that, you know, lawyers act as if community members are failing at mobilizing if it doesn't meet the lawyer's timetable. Um, And she said, you know, politicians that are claiming to do community engagement, they say the same thing, that it's, uh, you know, the community has failed to show up if it doesn't happen on the politician's timetable. Uh, But this is a quote from Lily that building community leaders is a slow, years-long process, um, and some people just don't understand that. And, you know, Lily understood that. Lily, if, if, if I've learned anything in the last week, it's how many hours and, you know, days and months and weeks, years that Lily poured into people in our community to to build them up um and lily had the vision to see what that long game would produce and i you know i will be honest i don't think i really could fully see the web that lily had had woven between all of our various communities and and really in in full force until the last couple weeks. And it is just incredibly beautiful to see all the people's lives that she's touched. And, 
you know, she lifted us up to be political forces, but also because I think that she deeply loved her people and the people that she was in relationship with. Um, and she loved people across all different kinds of communities, across all kinds of difference, and, uh, you know, taught us how to do the work together. And I, I am forever grateful for that. Um, and I'm really deep, I'm grateful for all the years, and I'm very grateful that I got to have that last um, really focused sit down to, um, you know, obviously it wasn't the last time we spoke, but to just have these notes kind of distilling some of Lily's wisdom is so valuable to me. So thank you for letting me share uh, some of that with you. Um, and, you know, Lily, I love you. Um, and rest in peace, rest in power. And thank you for, for everything. Um, yeah. Well, from my perspective, the current problem with affordable housing is that it's not affordable. It's not affordable for a wide range of people. And basically, it's math. You know, if you have an affordable housing price range that begins at 120000 140000 for a modest house, and the average income of people, you know, is abject poverty, which is around under twelve, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 a year, and then the industry that you're bringing into the community doesn't create the disposable income to afford the $120,000, $140,000, and that's a math problem. You're either going to reduce the price of the house or you're going to increase the income so the people can afford it. And having all this trauma-informed conversation around how people need to adjust does not address the math problem. So we need to really deal with that. So when you're talking about people that live in abject poverty and the chronic number of people that live in abject poverty are known to live in public housing, but the average income, you know, is $8,000 or less for public housing. But the piece that's rarely talked about is the 26% that caused the Anti-Poverty Commission to be created in Richmond in 2011 had the population of Richmond at 220,000 plus people, which 26% of that is about 57,000 and some change. And these are people who by the city official numbers live in abject poverty in the city of Richmond. And then you have a fixed number of units in public housing citywide, which is 4,100. Average household size is 2.5 people so we are taking that number and multiplying it by the 4,100 units and coming up with 11,000 and some change of people. That's 40,000 plus people that live in abject poverty by city numbers that do not live in public housing, which puts it at 80% of that 26% number that we do not have a housing plan for. And the plan of deconcentration of poverty and deconcentration of public housing it's not a solution for the people that live in public housing. So that is a total mismatch of the entire 26%. And we need to address that, in my opinion. My name is Amanda Long. I met Lily about 10 years ago. I had just started interning at the Legal Aid Justice Center. I was a junior in undergraduate school in the process of getting my bachelor's in social work. That's how I was introduced 
to community organizing with an organization called Reframe, Residents of Public Housing in Richmond Against Mass Eviction, was a tenant rights advocacy group, a group of public housing residents who organized around having a voice in the decision-making process of the policies that govern their community. Please share as so led. That was how she started a lot of her email. Reframe is where I learned about the power of listening. I listened to people talk about their lives as public housing residents. My eyes were opened. I was now aware of an existence that was unfamiliar to me. The power of listening cannot be overstated. I learned that authenticity is the key to social change. If I was to engage in this work, I absolutely had to be authentic. This was a realization that no doubt made me more comfortable in my own skin. For this, I thank Lily and all the members of Reframe. Lily made you feel seen. Lily A. Estes made you feel like everything was worthwhile. Lily made you think about what was possible. If everyone would just slow down and listen to each other, maybe we'd get somewhere, but not like this. This was no good. Peace and blessings. That's how she signed her emails. I remember when Lily's son was killed. I was simply amazed how she barely skipped a beat. She mourned, she picked back up and started advocating again. Just another issue she would take on. That's when it became clear to me that that's how she coped. Engaging with her community and using her voice was her way of dealing with this crazy world we live in. Lily was taken for granted. There was no question about what she stood for. You knew her agenda. She could be provocative and profoundly honest. The last time I saw her, she called me a firecracker. What an absolute honor coming from Lily A. Estes. For years, I got messages in my inbox from Lily, whether it was a call to action, words of inspiration, or just a simple hello. She made sure you didn't forget about her. It's a shame when the world takes away the best of us, but like any other tragedy, there is the chance to become closer with your community. Lily was an indispensable part of this community that I have come to love so dearly. Like the road she paved, Lily's heart was made of pure gold. May we all carry a piece of her legacy. Peace and blessings. Number of Virginia organizing Central Virginia chapter and a public housing resident and citizen. Expanding the Medicaid option allows many Virginians, such as myself, the opportunity to participate in a healthier self-care and or family maintenance lifestyle, which will improve not only the overall health of all Virginians, but it will improve the workforce, which equates to a more productive workforce and electorate. It just makes great economic sense. I urge the legislature to respond to the public outcry and stop hurting the constituent base and expand the Medicaid option. A smart choice, improving lives, saving money, demonstrating respect for the constituents. Thank you. You got 45,000 people who by the city numbers and by virtue of all just the people that live in public housing, there's 40,000 plus people in abject poverty that do not live in public housing. So why is the strategy about building wealth concentrated on public housing and that is not a solution for public housing and we recognize the process of starting small. But if you start in small and your solutions do not benefit the small number, then you have 100% of decimation.
because you don't have a policy for the 40,000 and then the 15,000, it disrupts their family life. End of story. Just your name, your name, person, last name. Lily A. Estes, we'll Community Strategy. We'll You are listening to a very special episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Before Miss Lily passed, she was working on a project for the Community Justice Network, a screening of the film Hold the Phone. That screening is still going on this Saturday, March 2nd at 2.30 p.m., 3001 Meadowbridge Road. That's the Six Points Innovation Center. Join the Community Justice Network for a screening of films created by local youth using their smartphones. This is part of the Just Flicks project launched by the Charles Hamilton Houston Institute. Members of the Community Justice Network worked with area youth to make films using simple software available on smartphones. The project hopes to create more space for youth to step into their power and tell their own stories. We'd love to see you there, and I'm sure Miss Lily would expect you all to be there. If it was important to her, it should be important to all of us. So again, hold the phone screening this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. at the Six Points Innovation Center in Highland Park, 3001 Meadowbridge Road. I got to know Ms. Estes through my work on Mayor Dwight Jones' Anti-Poverty Commission that became the Community Wealth Building Report and a number of initiatives that stem from that early uh, formation. She and I were on uh, a task force together and I don't remember if we had met before that, but I distinctly remember a meeting in which she brought forth the perspective of her friends, families, and neighbors, and shared the very personal, very heart-wrenching story of her son's death. And it was a difficult meeting, and I remember feeling all kinds of emotions. But the big takeaway after that meeting for me was the need to have the right people at the table when decisions are being made. A few years later, when I first heard the expression, nothing about us without us, I thought of Ms. Estes. I don't know if she used that expression during the meeting, but that was what she taught me that night in a personal and powerful way that came from her telling of her own story uh, that I'll never forget. It's, it's not as easy as that. It is conclusion at the planning table so that we can carve out a self-determination inclusive process that benefits everybody around. I used to say in real estate, I ain't got no problem with building communities with a business mind, but that it needs to be inclusive of the people in abject poverty. My name is Anne Marie McCartan. I've known Lily for about 10 years, first through the Richmond Peace Education Center, but it's only been in the last two to three years that we've considered ourselves as friends. 
Well, that said, Lily had a way of making anyone who spent time with her think that she thought you were pretty special. The best way to get to know Lily was to attend the Community Justice Film Series, where you could witness her unique networking and ally building skills. The series was eye-opening for someone like me, a white middle-class person. After that, I wanted to get to know Lily on a more personal level and to hear one-on-one -on -one what she had to teach. So I started inviting her out for dinner and a movie, musical event, an art show, where maybe she could have some fun, but at least we could talk more deeply. I was pleased that she gave me that opportunity several times in the last couple years. Upon hearing about her death, I was so glad I didn't delete our text messages back and forth. They remind me so much of her sense of humor. She would text, love you snookums, and her commitment to her cause of community justice. Particularly telling is a series of texts that we exchanged in mid-December. She had messaged me earlier that she wanted to see Green Book. So when it came to town, I tried to find a time we could go together. She kept putting me off, but not quite saying no. She finally said she was too busy and she wasn't feeling 100%. Well, I knew Lily had been traveling almost incessantly around the country in, in recent years, helping people understand the meaning of community justice. And that did make her very tired. But that thought led me to text her back with this thought. Did you imagine living such a deeply engaged life at this point in your journey, to which she responded, I don't look at it like that. Work, and it was all in caps, because that's what Lily did, work needs to be done, and it takes all of us, whether we want to or not, and so I do what I love. To which she added in a postscript, hint, hint, all of us. Although she passed away from us way too early, not many people have the opportunity at the end to say, that they are so deeply engaged in the work that needs to be done and that they love what they do. From that perspective, how many of us will be able to say the same when our time comes? We love you, Lily. Goodbye. I've lived in public housing since 2004, but the community I live in was one of the first public housing communities in Richmond. And you can see the generations of families that have just been stuck there. I've worked in Richmond improving the economic and healthy conditions in Richmond, more so by a lot of civic engagement. I really think that's at the root of inclusion. You know, if we really do not have the people that are most directly impacted in the policy process, then we continue to repeat, you know, trying to find solutions. Marilyn Campbell, I recognize many have come together to give homage to Lily A. Estes, and I share in memory the valuable asset of friendship. Um, and our friendship has been for close to 30 plus years, so it's 30 something. I've always known Lily's as an advocate because in her sharing of a disabled family member, she spoke of how she had to speak for that person. We first met while we attended Virginia Commonwealth University serving in leadership roles for that student programming on campus. And we maintained communication through our life quest. I bore witness to many highlights and losses in her personal life, and the greatest message is clear of her essence. She embraced her mission at her station in life, bringing all the experiences, fellow friends, skills, 
to be that advocate for liberty, justice, fair play in the community while encouraging others to stand and voice their opinions and speaking up for those who couldn't to send clear messages. She would send clear messages, no fuzzy guesswork of their requests by those she represented. And those messages were to go to the ears of city leadership selected by the people whom they serve. I regard her as a warrior queen and beloved. And then my final words, I'd just like to say that she lived her life. And many times we don't get to see people take on a mission with the compassion and the inclusion of the people to get that message across to those that need to hear. So I say, may you live in our hearts, memory, and history. I salute your willingness to sacrifice and serve your friend, Marilyn. And I recognize, too, that she left a large footprint. She left a clear impression of a footprint, evidence of her work, and plenty room for us to pick up and go further. I work with her with the Community Justice Film Series and Network, and I salute you. May you rest in peace. At this time, we'll have Art Burton, activist of King Black's community in the Food Justice Forum. Before I get started, <laughs> y'all know, most of y'all know that I know me as a quiet, soft spoken. <laughs> Not given to demonstration or public fight or provocation. <laughs> And that's when Billy Estes would say, I don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> Lily Estes, Lily A. Estes, my friend, the lover, I never kissed or hugged. My sister, though not by blood, the most consistent and constant soul in my life for over 20 years. We met in Highland Park under the leadership of Ellen Robinson, with the task of building a new community. We defended Dove Court. We went on to Norrell, uh, deal with environmental racism at Norrell and Wickham Elementary. She was with me through four political runs. She was, we formed place group under legal aid justice. We, we, we then went on to do bill school, campaign bill schools now. She championed the strategy for community wealth, kinfolk community, community justice film series, food justice corridor, community justice network, community unity and action. Ours was a love affair dedicated to the idea of transformation of communities and ensuring that the last remnant of our people who had come out of enslavement in this very place received the promise that they would one day live in dignity and with humanity and have their voices heard and be empowered. 
Lily was a fierce warrior, the queen mother, who in her worst moment, in the worst moments of her life, when others would have faltered and fallen, when others would have given up after believing that they had done their best work and be faithful to her, their calling and defending their community, I watched my sister as she stood helplessly as her life loved Jelly and her son John Jr. were taken from her. While others would have fallen and sunk into a hole broken, not my lily. She decided that she would do everything and anything possible and everything and anything she wanted. And that's what she did. Because Lily was full of cuss and fight. She created new words. New ideas. New organizations. And found new people. Lily became a national leader of public housing. She was unbought. She was unbroken. And we came to recognize that our life is full of times of loneliness. And our dance companion is only possibility. And our love is hope. She was the big chief of the largest tribe. And Lily's tribe was young and old, black and white, rich and poor, straight, gay, bi-trans, Rich, poor, Republican, Democrat, public housing, and public and housing developer. And with each of us, the thing that you had to look forward to was the cussing and the fighting. <laughs> you know, we we got on the phone every every week, at least three days out of the week at least an hour out of every hour phone call, and we would decide who in the city she was going to cuss out, and who in the city I was going to cuss out. And between she and I, everybody in the city got cussed out. And she was going on and on, and I could tell I really wasn't—I really wasn't get—I really wasn't helping Lynetta. Lynetta really wasn't feeling me. And finally, Lynetta said to me, "I would normally be talking to Lily." And <laughs> <laughs>
really would want it. See, now, you know, it's kind of funny because Lily would, was, would beat you out your cognitive dissidence. <laughs> Lily would drag you into your co-visioning and your co-creation. <laughs> Lily would force you to your interconnectivity and synchronization. <laughs> Lily would force you to understand what your 964 know your rights and your CFRs and your participatory democracy and your participatory budgeting and your belief in public housing and the dignity of people. And she would instill in you a love of Charles, uh, Charles S. Guilty. With Lily, you know, it was always an argument about who was the baddest. And after this week, I come to realize she was the baddest ass of all. <laughs> and so we, and so we are left, me and the children, with carrying on her legacy, lifting up her honor, because see, we're not, we're not going to fall into a narrative that lets people say that she was diminished and marginalized and and that we didn't understand the queen that we had before us. We are not going to allow people to say that we didn't know this great prophetess that stood before us. See, you can't say you love Lily Estes and leave people in public housing code. You can't say you love Lily Estes and leave little children in their homes fighting rats. You can't say you love Lily Estes and not stand for health equity and food justice and you can't love her and not believe go in your smoke-filled Mitt Romney quiet room and make decisions for communities by yourself and sister was about. That was what my lover dreamed for. That was what she walked every day. This was spoke, you know, I was so proud of her because last year she flew across the world with her message. She was in Boston. She was in St. Louis. She was in San Diego. She was everywhere. And this was going to be her year. This was the year we was going to have a car. <laughs> little, little money in our pockets. <laughs> we was gonna do something for our children and restore our families. And I'm just a little sad that she won't get to see it. But we all know what we got to do. Come on, we all know how to build a community. We all know how to save a city. We all know how to lift up a righteous nation because she taught us how to do it. And so you kind of see it. I just want to say to Tobias, you know, I, I wish I was strong as you. I guess I found it in the last minute. I guess it was there all the time. And to my brother Ryan, who I love so much, thank you for being here. 
I used to get mad because I couldn't get Lily to do nothing. And she, the only way I could get her to do something, I had to go see Ryan. And I didn't know why I had to go see this white boy to get you to do Somebody is waiting for us to get in position to do what we need to do to restore our communities. Mona Lisa Smith, CEO of Mothers for Justice and Equality. So I'm very excited about the great opportunity Gilpin community members have to really co-vision and co-create the transformative behavior for our community power. When we really step into those positions, the only positive thing that can come from that is the love that we share among each other that resonates way, way deep down beneath the minutia of the stuff that we see on the surface, right? So we want to do some intentional behavior rapport around evidence-based stuff, but the evidence-based stuff have to reveal the reality of what's actually happening in our communities. So we want to get more community members involved in how we do community-engaged policing, how we have better rapport with our neighbors, how we learn how to know that the leadership has a responsibility to give good information to the community members 
and utilize the policy for improvement. Gilpin is federal property, and as such, we have the 24 CFR 964, which is tenant participation, that we need to learn. There's a great opportunity to learn about Resident Management Corporation, which allows the tenant council to become a corporation through housing, urban, and development in order to become a corporation to govern how this community transforms itself. This is a learning opportunity. They may decide, may not decide, but that's something that's very passionate with me. This is a participatory decision-making process, and my hope is that we hold space for the community to step into that community participatory decision-making process. I thank you all for coming here today. I look forward to more participation all around, and uh, see you in the community. Doug from Richmond City, Delegate Bourne. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I rise for a motion. Delegate has the floor. Mr. Speaker, ladies and gentlemen, we come here for 45 or 60 days each year seeking to make Virginia a better place for all that call it home. Today, Mr. Speaker, those of us in Richmond and the surrounding areas mourn the loss of a true giant of public service. Lily Estes was a community strategist. She was an activist. She was someone who pushed all of us to be better and to make a better way and a better place for the least and the left out. Mr. Speaker, ladies and gentlemen of the House, she was able to operate in any circle, in any room, in any meeting. She made our conscience clearer on what we do and how we treat those of us living in public housing and in poverty. She started organizations such as Reframe to make sure that when we redevelop and improve our communities that we're not forgetting about the residents of public housing. She served on everything from the Virginia Poverty Law Center Board of Directors to the Hope in the City's Board of Directors to the Mayor of Richmond's Anti-Poverty Commission. So Mr. Speaker, ladies and gentlemen of the House, today when we adjourn, I would move that we adjourn in the honor and memory of Lily Estes. Delegate Bourne moves that when the House adjourn today to adjourn in the honor and memory of Lily Estes. Those in favor of the motion shall rise. The motion is agreed to. Yo!
Yeah.